episode of popping the bubble what's up tolly how are you i'm good i'm tired it's been a long day it's been raining which is very (laughs) anti-black i'm just saying at an hbcu during black history month no i'm so serious at an hbcu rain is very anti-black Especially That's when funny. we have events going on outside. <laughs> yeah. It just screams anti-black. But all things good. How about you? I'm good. It's been um, a good week. I've spent a lot of time at home with my family, which is good. Got to see my goddaughter, which I haven't seen in a while. Other than that, yeah, school is good, kind of. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but I'm really enjoying all of the material. But yeah, other than that, it's a grand old time. And it's Black History Month. And it's Black History Although, Month. Although Black History Month is, is coming to a close. By the time this episode gets out, we'll only have two days left. So black people get your reparations in because <laughs> then we can't then we can't get nothing apparently. I don't know. Get your reparations now before the time runs out. Yeah. Get your reparations now. Um, but we're excited. This is our last episode of the series. Look at us. Not one hit, but three hits back to back to back. Y'all thought we couldn't do it, but we did. We proved Correction. Tolly thought we couldn't do it, but we did. <laughs> Y'all are such haters. I, we don't have haters. That's not true. We have no haters but, at all. Nobody, nobody, not one person has said uh, three episodes. I just want I beef. You guys can I do just that. want beef. I just want you somebody to start beef with no popping the bubble. Yes. I just for want no beef reason. Popping, I just want somebody to start beef with popping the bubble. <laughs> So I can you know what it is? Every you time. you are you are your own hater. I think that's the problem. I'm not a hater. I said we was gonna do it. I I didn't. I just okay. Said, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we had our moments, Yasmin, but we made it. Yasmin is in the Yasmin never hated. about some. Instead of beef, I need to stream the podcast. And let me tell y'all something. I did listen to the podcast. I was on my treadmill, and in my last ten minutes, I listened to it. So I listened to 10 minutes of the podcast. You're welcome, popping the bubble. You know I what? That's progress. That's progress. T- listening to Thank 10 you. minutes is progress. 10 minutes is better than zero. Exactly. So next. But we're really excited. Um, <sighs> if you guys saw our Instagram, because that's where we told you all to go, we have a special second half plan. We're really excited. But before we get into that, we're going to do our first half, and then we're going to do our special second half. You know the vibes. Um, but yeah, Carla, you want to start us off? Yeah, so um, as we've been talking about, the theme for Black History Month this year is resistance. And so um, there's a lot of different ways that we can, like, you can, there's a lot of different categories of resistance that you can consider. Um, and I think the more obvious ones is like um, civil disobedience and like protesting and all these sorts of things that like are, are explicit political statements or, you know, resistance and boycotts to the certain things. But um, one way that I've, Tali and I both share this is like an appreciation for art. 
and and what art conveys and the messages that they convey and they evoke in people and so um we wanted to kind of bring attention to this other and i think art is very appreciated of course but um we wanted to use this opportunity to bring attention to other forms of black resistance that you may not initially think of when you think of um, resistance and black history and so um with that being said i think the art is art is beautiful art there's art just has so much power to say all these different things and and demonstrate um a lot of things and so i don't think a lot of people i mean i might be wrong but generally speaking in america when people think of black history they don't think of they think of like the civil rights movement they think of here's what they think of they think of slavery and they think of Jim Crow and the civil rights movements, and they think of BLM. And I, I would say like those are the three eras of black history that people probably naturally think of when it comes to black history. But I feel like in between all of those kind of eras, there's a lot of history there. And a lot of, not just because those three eras that I just mentioned are the worst, the worst moments in history for um, black, worse or best, you you can, it depends on the way you look at it, but those are times in history when there was a lot of violence and, and, um, just kind of discord within America for black people, but I think we want to focus on something that contributes to that, but also that celebrates black culture and black identity, and I know that was a really long introduction, but that's why we wanted to talk about specifically art and, um, Obviously, art, when you think of black art in America, you immediately go to the Harlem Renaissance. And so, um, and that's not, we're not in any way saying that black history and black art starts in the Harlem Renaissance. No way, shape, or form does it. But that's, it, it was a really important period of time for the black community in America. And so we wanted to just take the time to appreciate art in all its forms um, and kind of just talk about the Harlem Renaissance and what what that meant back then and what it means for black resistance now. Tali, do you want to kick off the like history? Okay, I thought we was, all right, all right. So basically um, the Harlem Renaissance, which we don't really talk about in class or school. But it was a time period from the 1920s to the 1930s. And um, at the time, so a little history before history. Um, at the time, there was a lot of people of color that were migrating, um, fleeing the South, like the Great Migration, which we all know about. Or not all. Which we should all know about. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, so there's a lot of d data that shows uh, from the 1910s and 1970s, there was about 6 million black people who were relocating from the South to the North, um, and they were seeking opportunities, you know, job opportunities, a better life, um, and a lot of them ended up in New York City, which, New York City, like Harlem, um, which is uh, her historically a black borough, and it became a hub for the cultivations and the it just became like the spot if you know what i mean yeah so, I knew, yeah 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 and yeah. 
when you think about the, the Black Renaissance, I think it was really like a, uh, from like the 1920s to the 1930s was like the prime of the Harlem Renaissance. And like Tali mentioned, there was a growing population in New York and Harlem specifically, but that wasn't just limited to African Americans. There were a lot of like Puerto Rican and Cuban immigrants coming in, fleeing, um, you know, similar or not similar situations, but other situations in their countries. And so New York City was just growing and it was just becoming like a diverse place where people it was a melting pot as people like to call it a melting pot for different kinds of cultures and so um really the Harlem Renaissance was also there were a lot of contributions from um Afro Afro Latin uh, immigrants as well from Cuba and Puerto Rico especially um but yeah that that number of of black people in New York City and Harlem specifically was just growing and um like Tali said, it just became the spot. People were like, we're going north. Okay, let's go to New York. Let's go to Harlem. Let's go be with our people. And Harlem really became known as sort of like the spot, the hub for the cultivation and dissemination of black culture at the time. And so um, a really important pillar of the Harlem Renaissance was the notion or, you know, not no, I mean, yeah, but freedom of expression. That was that was a central pillar of the Harlem Renaissance, and we talk about expression and what that means now. The expression is infinite. There's a lot of different ways that you can express yourself, and the whole point of that expression is to, I think, highlight somebody's uniqueness and individuality. Um, and so, black artists at this time use this as a way to assert their pride in their black identity and they really i think through the harlem renaissance i'd say if i had to like summarize and shorten it i would say that um it it was a period in which for black americans they were demonstrating really a, a, a increase in consciousness of the inequality and discrimination that they were facing and they were also expressing interest in in sort of like the rapid rapidly changing modern world in that they were kind of being being like i said kind of conscious to their new reality and what was going on and the systems that worked against them and this and that and so i think it was just a period and point in time where a lot of there was a lot of education going on and and that doesn't necessarily have to be in a formal sense but people were educating themselves on the the way of the world and also though at this time they were like okay so what are we going to do about it and so why I think it was their way of kind of saying, hey, we're here. Not only are we here, but we can also contribute and we can even supersede the existing cultural, like in societal stru social structures that you white people have created that have ultimately worked against us. Um, and so I, <laughs> when, when we really learn about... Um, the Harlem Renaissance, I feel like the significance that it had on the black community is just, it's over, it's understated sometimes. Um, because I feel like it wasn't just about showing that black people were also competent artists and writers, um, because the artwork that they created wasn't for the white gaze. It, it wasn't for the white gaze. And if it was like, because there's a few different levels of thinking you can go with. It's, it, and, and this is sort of like the, 
I guess, assimilationist way of thinking about it. Because a lot of what would happen is that in order for black people to prove their, uh, like, I don't know, prove that they were worthy of being contributors to, like, American po politics and culture, they had to go get educated and do this and that and do all the things that, from the white gaze, would make them seem like they were assimilating to American culture and that they could compete because they were changing themselves to be more like white, educated people. And so it, it wasn't about assimilation at all because what they were creating, it wasn't for the white gaze. It was made for and by the black community. And so I think that they really asserted their black identity in their work. And um, through that, they were able to make a lot of really important political and, and cultural statements. And so a lot of the, I would say, more prominent figures that you may recognize by me saying as being probably the more successful or well-known names for, who came out of the Harlem Renaissance would probably be people like Langston Hughes, um, Zora Neale Hurston, Duke Ellington, Ma Rainey. Um, but we also did an episode back in our first installment of the, the Celebrating Black History series two years ago um, about a really important photographer named Gordon Parks. And he was a self-taught photographer and he was known for capturing the black experience because he believed that photography really had the power to tell stories um and so i mean I, these are just a few of the people that i've encountered in like my education or through interest but um just to give an example like those were those were the people who kind of those are examples of the people and and the ways different ways in which they um contributed to this harlem renaissance yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Um, I don't know. I've always been fascinated by the Harlem Renaissance just because uh, art is very important to me, specifically music. But, like, poems. I love to read poems in my spare time. I have so many books and stuff. But I don't know. I think when I think about poems, like, they're just ways of describing how I'm feeling without writing a whole story, you know, in a sense. And it's like, Right now in my class, we're reading poems and we're talking about this time period where it's like, it the Harlem Renaissance just continually continuously proves that black people, like we are, anytime we're put in a position to thrive, we thrive. Like we're talking about Zora Neale Hurston, um, and you know, her, just like those people that we talk about all the time, they've continuously exceeded like expectations and until this day are still talked about like it's a big thing people like I don't, I'm losing my train of thought right now but you know what I mean like <laughs> it's just one of those moments in history where through art and music which I don't think we get a lot of recon recognition for because as you were saying earlier like you 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 talk about black history and you talk about Jim Crow and stuff you don't talk about the joy of black history Right. That's what I was trying to say. Like, you don't talk about the joy of black history. You don't talk about the Harlem Renaissance. You don't talk about, like, the movements that we've created where we're able to express ourselves through joyous, mm -hmm. like, yeah. artistic expressions. So that's why I really love, I, I really love this time period because it's like, that we're not, we're not in the streets rioting. We are writing. We are singing. We are acting. And I don't know. It's just something that I've always yeah, I, I mean, I would agree. There's a lot of different ways that um, 
black Americans have contributed to, I would say, the betterment of their, like, status or conditions. And, I mean, we have a point when we say that the way that probably is most talked about is sort of, like, the, the political figures and this and that, but who, who like, American history writers, white American history writers feel are have done significant enough work to be included in the history books. But if you only focus on that kind of perspective, you lose the culture and you lose all of the, like, important cultural, like, uh, what I say, when I say, like, cultural, like, moments um, that have contributed to and really led to the, like, evolution of pop culture today and, and what we see. And in those little moments and those actors who, those actors and actresses who um, kind of paved the way in the 1920s, like people like uh, Nina Mae McKinney um, and and uh, Fannie Lou Hamer, like all these people, th- these are important, like people, women especially too, who broke out in different ways and contributed to art and, and traditional, and well, I would say like, non-traditional or history in non-traditional ways um and so we kind of wanted to highlight that today but um we wanted to also highlight sort of like the evolution of black art um and and what that looks like today obviously the harlem renaissance (laughs) is over but um art has stayed alive today in many different ways and as you know more things continue to happen art continues to be a way that people make political statements um and so i wanted to share a a piece of artwork that i saw recently that i think really encapsulates the the theme of black resistance um so in the fall i went to the RISD museum the RISD art museum which um is the rhode island school of design they have a an art museum and it's rhode island school of design and brown have like the campuses are we're basically on top of each other and they're in Providence. And so I'm, because I'm a Brown student, I get free entry into the museum whenever I want. And so I went, when I went in um, September, I came across this mixed media painting called Hall- Hallmarks um, by this artist named uh, Jordan Seabury. And it was from 2018, but I wanna just I was I saw this piece of artwork and I just stopped there. I took a picture and I just stared at it. This is one of those pieces that you you stop and you stare at it and you just study all of the different parts of it because there was a lot to be said there. Um, but I just want to point out a few elements of the piece that really stood out to me. Um, uh, number one, that there was a, a recognizable photograph of Trayvon Martin. Um, and it kind of like just ominously stares at the viewer because it's it's placed in the center and it's in black and white and so it contrasts like the dark piece because the, the the painting itself there's a lot of darker darker colors used and so just the placement of it it just stands out to you and and you were kind of just like forced to just sit there and and sit in that reality and kind of stare back too um and not only was that an element, but another element was that it was, that picture was surrounded by like a few white ghost-like figures, like outlined figures, um, including a seal that depicted a black slave kneeling while he was shackled, his wrists were shackled. And there was another one on sort of like the left side of the painting 
um, and it kind of was cut off too. And it's of like a, a little boy running, a little black boy running towards the viewer. And he's look while he's looking back though, he's looking back at the painting, but he's running towards you, the viewer. Um, additionally, there were a lot of like cultural allusions. Um, honestly, one included like an homage to um, Walter White from Breaking Bad too. And then there was also uh, the in the background too, <laughs> um, which is another like it's more of the piece. It's more of the background. There's a city or a world, I guess that you could say that it appears. It's just it's up in flames and it's burning. And there's also what I interpreted as like a barbed wire fence kind of around that. So there's a lot, a lot going on in this painting, in this mixed media painting, but. Like, if you just take the time to look at it, like, which I did, you, you notice all the elements of it, and it all really captures or even predicts what um, Jordan Seabury, the artist, suggests are the hallmarks of our time. Um, and so we, the artist, he kind of claimed that um, the impetus for hallmarks was to challenge viewers to see the world through uh, the lens of social justice. And so... Um, he made this artist statement, and I want to read a, a kind of um, piece from that because I feel like it really um, it does ju it does more justice in my explanation, basically. So I'm going to read that artist statement. He says, uh, "What does it mean to love a people? What's it mean to love a neighborhood, a family, a person, a country? Every day, I sit on couches in funeral homes, at kitchen tables." working with families who are asking unanswerable questions. Those questions build pictures. The image possesses the power to ask those questions, to change what we call violence, and in turn, what we name justice. I kind of sat with that for a while. Um, I'm still sitting with that because I go back and I look at this picture every now and then, and it, it all kind of comes back to me. And it's really just a social commentary that's asking you us to look at what our our own like modern contemporary history and what's going on all around us, um, and so that's a piece of artwork by a black artist that has really stayed with me, um, and and that's something that I wanted to share too. So if you have the time, go look it up. Um, if not, we'll we'll put it in Instagram so y'all can can look at that and kind of sit in that moment with me. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of black resistance in in the form of art now is asking people really to just look at the world look at our reality and and question our reality and think about um how we can change that yeah I mean, um i think my artists who have i don't i'm like art and photography and stuff i'm not really into it but I do know an artist that I very much look up to is um, Carrie Mae Weems. Like her title, um, it's it's untitled, but it's like Colored People Grow, a Grid, and it's a grid. I think it's a it's a grid of uh, monochromatic squares, and they're children. They're individual photographs of children, like black children, but they're layered with colors so like magenta yellow orange blue brown and purple and that's always been one of my favorites that i studied in class and 
I mean, to this day, I love that artwork because it literally shows you it's like there's this innocence in children that they don't realize they're when they're leaving society, they're like being looked at by color, by race and stuff. So she points this like. So she does this artwork or photograph. Um, and I, I just remember doing research, but it was talking about how like this is supposed to like make you question like the beauty, but also like give you a different perspective of the beauty of different colors, like the wide range of skin colors and stuff within this um, hierarchy of, you know, social values that were assigned. So I've I've always been a big fan of her in her kitchen series, too. I mean, I should check that out. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I mean, that's art. Yeah. Yeah. So um, next, we wanted to talk about another form of resistance. Um, I think that, you know, you look at it from the beginning to now, it's grown and it's still being resist. It's still a great expression of resistance, which is black hair. Um, and we've been talking about this because it's also been circulating in the media about how <laughs> back then, back then during, en- um, during enslavement, black people were using cornrows as a way of escaping. Like, you know how, first of all, pause. You know how <laughs> genius, like, preach, because that means they had to know how to cornrow. And all for my black girls out there who can't cornrow, hey, I can do it, like, once in a while. <laughs> it's not very consistent. It's like, one day I'll do it, but one day I'll, I can't. But, um, so we did some research, and basically, it originated in Colombia, like, South America, um, in the late 1500s, um, they came up with the idea to have women create maps and deliver messages through their cornrows. Like, that's, like, it really, black women, black women are just superior. I've said it, I'll say it again. Like, we're just <laughs> too good. Um, but, but they were I, also called, I... yeah, go no, ahead. I was just gonna, sorry, I just want to jump in and say real quick that, like, this is also another form of art. Like, if you've yeah. seen... And when I'm, like, scrolling through TikTok, like, I just watch braiding videos. Like, if, if you've seen the different designs and, and, like, protective styles that people do when, like, braiding hair, like, it's a form of art, too. And I just, I feel like it, it merits more flowers, more appreciation, because, like, it's beautiful to look at. But and we come ahead, up with something going. different all the time, so like yeah. y'all really just can't hate, you know. Like you'll never be, you'll never be not <laughs> looking good, you know. But um, it was called, it was actually called cane rows, because it represented mm. the sugar cane that the field, the field, the sugar cane field that the enslaved were working in. So um, and there was different. One style had like curved braids, and then I think it was like the tighter, the looser it was. I don't like. Just how every single braid, every single braid, you know, uh, yeah, it was like the curved braids represented uh, the roads they would use to escape. And they also kept rice and like plants and seeds mm-hmm. in their hair, like they braided it in. Yeah. So once they were free, they would have plants to crop, they would have seeds to crop. And I, even when you go later down the road, like, in the 1950s and 1960s, the Afro, like, I don't think y'all understand 
to this day, <laughs> I still can't get that perfect afro, and I don't know what I need to do. But that was also a form, that was a pivotal part of black, liber- black liberation, and it still is. Like, that mm-hmm. afro is, it's a symbol of resistance. It's a symbol of, honestly, like, fuck the European standards because you're not going to tell me how to do my hair. Like, if my hair wants to grow up, it's going to grow up. And I I don't know. I just... Black hair really just has such a rich history. It's been used to represent, you know, class, you know, your status in the world. And even Mm -hmm. at some point, white people realized how important it was to us that at some point, black women weren't even allowed to wear their hair out. They had to cover it. Where y'all think head wraps come from? Come on, like, let me, like, it's just (laughs) when you really, it's just when you really study the history, it's like, not only did we recognize our hair and what's so cool about it that others did too, that they literally told us to hide it away. Like, you couldn't leave the house without (laughs) your hair being hidden. Like, I don't know. So it's just cool, but that's how it was. But yeah. Yeah, and I think another, um, kind of thing that you you alluded to and you pointed out was the freedom of expression that comes with that like like you were mentioning like the, the black liberation movement wearing an afro like that was that was a symbol of you saying i'm with you i'm empowered i'm empowered by who i am and my my heritage and i'm gonna wear my hair the way i want to wear my hair um and so I think it's kind of ironic now that I have my hair straightened currently. You can obviously tell. <laughs> but um, especially in, um, uh, in like, the Caribbean and Latin America, there's a lot more – there are a lot more Afro-Latinos out there. You're not supposed to be here right now. <laughs> I just texted you too. Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> Anyways, what was I saying? Um, right. There are a lot more Afro-Latinos than y'all probably think there are. Um, because Latinidad and Latinos, like the way that we are viewed is is more so like we're... we're uh, like there's no like being hispanic is a race it's not um <laughs> let me just put that out there and so there are a lot of different um racial identities within the latin american latin community and so there are a lot of afro latinos and especially in in the caribbean and um dr haiti they hair is another thing that i've been battling because Black liberation movement, like, we're not there yet in the Dominican Republic. And so, um, growing up, they also want you to to subscribe to these, like, Eurocentric ideals of beauty. And in my culture, and in a lot of, for a lot of Afro-Latinos, we are told to not seem, not, not accept, not nurture, not put on display the parts of our identity that allude to or like represent our afro-latinidad and so for me growing up it was always straighten your hair straighten your hair um or or here's a here's a very like a universal one i would say across the uh, latin community but 
or maybe that's just in Puerto Rico in the Dominican Republic, but um, pelo malo. Pelo malo is what they consider to have, like, curly, kinky hair. That's more, like, Afrocentric hair. That they consider that pelo malo, bad hair. I mean, it's pretty, like, self-explanatory, but it's just things like that. And so I think what I mean to say by all this is just that there's a lot of power, a lot of, like, personal power too empowerment that just that comes with owning your hair and and doing what you want to do with your hair because it's a really important another really important form of expression and expression to just be you be who you are embrace your culture identity and so um i'm sure as well in the harlem renaissance like uh, uh at the same time of the harlem renaissance you had um oh my god why can I remember her name right now? Why it's escaping me? Uh, no, this is gonna bother me. Hair, hair, millionaire. Um, she sold hair oh! products. Why can't I remember um, her name right now? Um, oh my god! Oh my I'm, god! I'm ashamed. Oh my god! Oh my god! Wait, I'm ashamed. Wait, give me a second. You caught me off guard. I know who this is. Oh Yasmin, the drum roll is unnecessary. <laughs> Why can't you um, remember her name? Not you look. I feel like you're looking it up right now. <laughs> because I can't remember right now. Madam CJ Walker. We are so. Oh Madam CJ Walker. Oh my god. I'm so I cannot sorry, Madam CJ Walker. Yasmin, please stop <laughs> with these. With these. Oh my god. No, we're so horrible. We're such hypocrites. That's how you um, know we've had a but... long day because we love Madam CJ Walker over here. So I don't know what's going on. Well, I, I have literally watched every like series or movie we that has come we out. We need to get it together. Research on her. We need to get Anyways, it together. Anyways, it's been it has been a long day. But Madam CJ Walker, right? She was going on she was selling she was uh, the first black woman to be a millionaire because she was selling hair products and her first product was like hair growth for black women and then she made mm-hmm. hot combs and all these other products that have still today are so on yeah and so that also was a sorry i'm getting loud that was also a piece of of empowerment of the piece of the empowerment because not only do you have a black woman who's making products and not only is she making products but she's giving jobs to black people making these actual products and factories she's giving jobs to the black community she is doing a service to the black community by giving them products that are meant for them that won't damage their hair and she's a cultural icon she was literally like madam cj walker was the it girl and she, she was, was walking in she the was streets in harlem. and they wanted to be on her payroll they wanted to be on her payroll <laughs> yeah okay. she was in harlem and she helped to fund all of these really important initiatives in new york city at the time as well and so like hair is such an important like the industry of hair and we can get into what that is today now because it's Mm -hmm. very controversial now today it's very hard to find affordable products for your hair we're gonna have an episode about this (laughs) but that adding it to the list that aren't run by fucking white people but Mm -hmm. um hair is like such a really important like like cultural element in black history and so there's so much more to be said about that but we do want to get to kind of the next yeah i do want to before we do that i do want to give because we're all about popping the bubble and you can't just listen to this podcast not do nothing after like that's weird 
Like, at least I do stuff after. <laughs> I might not okay. listen, but I do stuff after. But, you know, talking about, you know, hair and resistance, I recently watched Hair Tales, which is on Hulu. It's a six-series, six-episode. It's a little on the long side, but it's great because... It's, I don't remember all of the producers, but I know Oprah, um, Tracy Ellis Ross, who was at Spelman College the other day, you know, she, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so many other people like Quinta Brunson's on there, Issa Rae's on there, and so many other black women talk about their hair experience, and it's on Hulu, and I recommend, I loved watching the series. And also, this is all for my, you know, black hair, my black woman who struggled with doing their hair. Hair Love, by far, my favorite little film. Like, every time I watch it, I cry. They have a book now. And it's just about, you know, loving your hair, your inner child, loving your inner yeah. child's hair. And I loved it. So I think y'all should look at that. There's also way much more. We can do a whole post about that, too, because we're active on our social media platform instagram yeah we are but yeah we're gonna get into the um second part i'm excited black <laughs> history month trivia yes yeah. we're doing some black history trivia and because i feel like it would be boring for it to just be tolly and i we also have included three not two but three special guests who are going to be uh, coming on to Popping the Bubble to be our contestants for this Black History Trivia. Um, and so we're going to see how it goes. We have quite a bit of faith in these three contestants that we have specially picked. Um, and we're excited. Yeah. Alrighty. So our first contestant for Black History Trivia is Popping the Bubble's number one fan, and it is their first time appearance on Popping the Bubble, which is surprising. But it's now is as good a time as any. <laughs> it's really our fault. Um, she is an inspiration to us all, a very near and dear close friend. And without further ado, can we get a drum roll, please? Jasmine Kennedy! Welcome to Popping the Bubble! Where you at? <laughs> Hi, Jasmine. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm very excited for this oh, trivia. Yes. I'm a little nervous, but I think I'll hopefully be okay. To be fair, we did pressure her into doing this, so we did a little. <laughs> I bit. just want to state that, but she was gonna do it anyway. So right, she would have offered if exactly. we hadn't reached out. She anyway, would have offered so. to do it anyway. So, <laughs> but yeah, so. Jazz, we have four categories, um, and you can pick a question from three of them. So our categories are, you ready? Okay. We have sports. We okay. have history. We have art, which falls into music, artwork, you know, really anything in the arts category, entertainment. Right. And then we have random. So which one do you want to do first? Um, I'll hold go on, arts. Track. Let me explain. Let me explain. Hold on. Let me just explain the way that this is going to work. Um, so basically, we're going to ask you three questions. You can choose two of them, two, the 
two of the categories for two of the questions. The other one, we will be selecting for you at random, okay? And in order for you to pass trivia, you have to answer two out of the three questions correctly. Okay? Okay. Okay. Understood. All right. So, you chose art? Yes. Okay. Go ahead, Tony. Okay. I'll do... Okay, so this is... Your first question is, which black singer is remembered as the queen of jazz? Now, it is multiple choice, so we can give you the multiple choice list. Or, you know, you can really flex. Okay, okay, okay. So, A, we have Ma Rainey, B, Nina Simone, C, Ella Fitzgerald, D, Aretha Franklin, or E, Billie Holiday. Um, you want a drum roll? Like you want special effects? No, 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 no need, no need, no need, (laughs) no need. (laughs) You want the Jeopardy music? We can. I don't think it does. I don't think it deserves a drum roll. Um. You guys are gonna murder me. You guys are gonna murder me. Do you need? Do you need the list again? Sure. Okay. A, Ma Rainey, B, Nina Simone, C, Ella Fitzgerald, D, Aretha Franklin, or E, Billie Holiday? Aretha Franklin? Jasmine. Uh, Jasmine. Jasmine. <laughs> the queen of jazz. Jasmine, the queen of uh, jazz. Jasmine. Jasmine. No. Guys, I told you I'm so bad at trivia. I'm not stupid, I promise. Well, possibly stupid. But (laughs) a little challenged. A little challenged. Uh, The correct answer (laughs) was C. Ella Fitzgerald. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) We'll give you a pity clap. This is a a pity (laughs) clap. This is a pity clap. I, 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 I feel like my debut on votes. this podcast should not be trivia. It's we'll try again. There's an opportunity for redemption here, okay? Yeah. Okay. For question number two. <laughs> okay, do okay, you want... Here are the categories. Sports, history, or random. You could also do art again if you really wanted to. Give it a second try. I feel like realistically, what I would know more would be arts because I like sports. Don't know a lot about them. Um, <laughs> if I'm being this honest, is like, this is like entertainment. Okay, ready? You ready for this question? Okay. Okay, listen carefully. <clears throat> Soul Train, <laughs> which oh, <God>. aired <laughs> from 1971. 2006, and the first show on television to feature a predominantly black cast of musicians and dancers was hosted by which of the following TV presenters? Okay, so this is Soul Train. A. Montel Williams. (laughs) B. Don Cornelius. C. Arsenio Hall. Or D. Steve Harvey. The host of Soul Train. <laughs> um. What 
What a great question. I I don't really have an answer for you, but I'm going to go with the guy I've dressed up as three times, Steve Harvey. Jasmine! Guys, this is a horrible debut for me. This is a horrible debut. I have no idea. Guys, I told you my black card was going to be revoked. I told you. I told you. Before we remove your black card, though, let's just remove common sense. How would Steve Harvey be at the Soul Train? Like, I just, like. I love you, but let's just let's just before we remove your black card because we will be taking it away. Let's just let's just let's just let's try again. We're gonna cancel out Steve Harvey. So okay, let's Steve try Harvey. again. The three other options. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of these three people. Montel Williams. A Montel Williams. B, Don Cornelius, or three, or C, Arsenio Hall. Montel Williams? <laughs> I can't believe, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still stuck on the fact that you said no, Steve Harvey. No, give her hope. Well, hold on. Okay. No, I, I'll pick the last <laughs> question. This is the last question. No, and you have on, to guys. Gotta, you, wait, we have to say ha- what the right answer was. <laughs> oh yes, it was Don Cornelius. You've never seen the Soul Train clips on YouTube? Mm-hmm. That's that. That's that PWI. This is this is no longer this is no longer Black History trivia. This is now Black Card Revolt. <laughs> No, really, Black Card Revolt. That's what we should I call said it. it honestly before. <laughs> Okay, okay. This oh one, this one, you have to get because if you don't get it, I'm gonna be very upset because you know this. Oh god, I that makes me you know that makes me more nervous. You know this, I promise you do. And if you're really a number one fan, you definitely have to know this. Oh god, what this was Black History Month previously known as? A Negro History Week. B, Negro History Month, C, Black History Year, or D, It's Always Been Black History Month? Negro History Week? There we go! <laughs> Let's go! Let's go! Okay, maybe we, we decided, me and Carla, we're, me and Carla, we won't remove your black card this month. Not today. <laughs> Not today. It's Black History Month. Honestly, I feel like I deserved it a little bit, so I appreciate the grace and compassion. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. We love having you here. We have. We do Let have this- one more question for you. Oh God. And this is not trivia related. Okay. Not trivia. So no okay. need to stress. You're not taking a quiz anymore. You're done. Okay. It is one more question. Do you want to ask a question, Carla? Yeah, before you s- we send you off, we wanted to ask you, because as you know, the theme for Black History Month this year is Black Resistance. So, mm-hmm. um, we wanted to just ask you, what examples of Black Resistance have you appreciated in your life, and have they given you a new perspective, or because you are a Black woman, are there ways that you embody Black Resistance in your everyday life? Um, well, something I had a conversation with um, last week 
was how black resistance can be in many forms. So for me, it would be black joy. And I've been running. I started running on the first day of February to keep my mental health up um, and take care of myself. So I guess that would be my action. We love that. Yeah, that's Yay. a really good one. Yes, so, Black Joy. We love that. We love that. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you, Jazzy oh. Jazz, for being right. on Popping the Bubble. Um, <laughs> you didn't disappoint. This is exactly I made I a disgrace of myself, but... It's okay. <laughs> no, uh, no, we love it. This is what this is. It's it's for fun. It's literally for fun. I love it's it. It's all for funsies. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe this means that there is an opportunity for redemption on popping the bubble for you in the near future, Jazz. Exactly. That means. Maybe. See, that means that means now now we have to give you now we have to get you to come back so you can redeem redeem yourself. I would love to, just not have it be trivia. <laughs> I got. As you. we've learned. I got you. As we've learned. I got. You. I got. All right. Well, thank you, Jazz, for being <laughs> for being here with us and for trying out some black trivia. Um, it was great entertainment, and we appreciate your presence and your support all the time. Well, yes. I love you guys, and keep doing what you're doing, and you're making a difference. Oh, bye bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> so our second. Con- I'm sorry. Our second contestant. Um. I don't know why I'm introducing him because I feel like that's weird. But it would be our second I, cont- <laughs> I just feel like anybody else could have done this but me. Um yeah, our second contestant oh, actually made you. our beat. <laughs> Let me introduce him. Our second contestant actually made our intro to our season 2 podcast. Um yeah, jump roll please. <laughs> Cade! Cade Walton! <laughs> Yo. I'm sorry, that was such a sucky introduction, but I really didn't know Can what to Can you turn say. your That's camera like, on? You're my boyfriend. Y'all are funny. Y'all are, y'all are a dynamic duo. <laughs> Thank you, Cade. We're, and the yeah. three of us, you and Cade, no. you know what? We're a dynamic duo, and you are an amazing third wheel. She don't <sighs> let you happy about that. <sighs> All right, um, all right, Black History Month trivia, please, please. So wait, 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 hold on, pause. If you didn't know, this is Tali's boyfriend, Cade. No, um, he's not. Producer, student. Wow, that's so ridiculous. <laughs> wow, that's so why you tell okay. Why you tell my business on popping the bubble? We your business is already known to the world, okay? If okay. Anybody who sees your Instagram will know that. Anywho, um, <laughs> Cade, welcome to popping the bubble. <laughs> We also forced him to do this as well, just like Jasmine. I so didn't force fine. him to do anything. That was all. I Tali. did. That's true. I forced him to do it. He didn't have as he should. You know what? This is this exactly. right here is a good opportunity to put the relationship to a test. Okay, if he passes this, not only does he keep his black card, but he can also still be your boyfriend. Yeah. So a lot of there's a lot of pressure on this, Cade. You need to get two out of these three questions correct. If you want to keep your black card and Tolly, basically. Okay. Understood? Okay. All right. So there is three categories to choose from. Um, and let me just say, our last contestant did not do so hot. Yeah. <laughs> really not hot at the all. Only, the only reason why our last contestant, Jasmine, still has her black card is because we love her too much to revoke it. 
But <laughs> y'all so, basically just um, said she's L at Black History Month. She don't know it. She doesn't know anything about history. Oh. Today she was. Today she was. There is there is hope for the future. Oh, Hopefully no. you don't have the same fate. But you could be I'm just as you. bad, to be honest. <laughs> you have three categories to choose from: um, sports, history, or a random category. So it's a random you can, category. Now, if I pick this random wanna, category, it better not be no BS. Are you sure you don't want to do sports? I don't want to do sports. Because I don't pay attention that's to really sports. Stereo- that's so stereotypical of you to assume that he wants to do sports, Tom. Right, no, because- this podcast is supposed to make the world a better place. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I was saying, are you sure you don't want to do sports? Because it's a good question and I want somebody to answer it. But that's fine, Kate. Wait, he can do random. He can do his second one, sports, and then we can give him a random. No, you can do whatever you want, Kate. Random. You want the random? Okay. All right, ready for this question? Yeah. Okay, finish this line from Amanda Gorman's The Hill We Climb. I don't even know what that is. (laughs) This is why you should have I'm not doing that one. No, we're picking a different one. No, you picked it. (laughs) No, no. Polly picked it. I didn't pick it. History. This is the random category. (laughs) See, this is what I was talking about. You didn't listen to me. (laughs) You you this is your you have to you have you pick the category. Okay. The question. It's it's not it's it's not that bad. Amanda Gorman is a a black poet, okay? She's the youngest uh poet laureate something. Um (laughs) she was she was a poet at the inauguration. Yes, at Biden's inauguration, she was the one who gave the poem. Okay, ready? Just finish the line. Just use common sense and think about it. Bro, okay. common sense ain't no sense. All right, bro, you got it. Hey, it's quiet. multiple choice. Be quiet. <laughs> okay. The line is, quiet isn't always peace, and the norms and notions of what, of what just isn't always A, just that, B, adjusted, C, justice or d just there do you need to hear the line again yes (laughs) quiet isn't always peace in the norms and notions of what just isn't always justice hey you got it oh my god oh my god you see, see, how she, you see how she doubted me, though? You see how she doubted me? You, she, Whoa, you doubted yourself. Nah, she was doubting right. me. Come no, on, I wasn't. You got this. You got this. You're a black king. You got this. Have faith. Don't say all Uplift. that. Uplift. Uplift. All right. <laughs> you're ne- okay, what, what do you want your next category to be? Uh, History. 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 Okay. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> Who is the first black woman to serve as a U.S. Supreme Court justice? Is it multiple choice? Nope. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> this one is a multiple choice. Kate, hey. think about it. Kate, for real? <laughs> for real? I don't know. This how you know you don't this is how you know you don't listen to our podcast. No, repeat oh. the question. I feel like he has to know this. Who <laughs> <laughs> Okay, ready? Who is the first black woman to serve as a U.S. Supreme Court justice? Wait, no, I do know that. Exactly. You do uh, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but it's like... Ket Brown. I don't know. I don't... It's like a J-I ending. Kentonji? 
I don't know how to. Pro- I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Ketanji Brown. Yeah. Yes. Give this man some fun. Right. Easy, easy, bro. <laughs> oh my God! He already got two out of three right. That's great. We love that for you. <laughs> All right. Last All right. one. You ready? It's the last question. Tali, go ahead. Which one? What what categories? Bro, better not be no BS, bro. <laughs> give him. I want to give him the sports category. Okay, sports one. If you don't get this one right, honestly, I'm revoking your. Okay, body. I can ask you some Black History questions that if you don't get that, that if you don't get right. I'm not on this. I'm not on the spot. So okay. this is my she's, podcast. She's not the Thank contestant you. today. Thank you. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Which ABC, HBCU <laughs> is the first? <laughs> Stop! Wait, which HBCU is the first ever all-black team to cover Sports Illustrated, and for which sport? Power Twenty. Okay, see, I told you you should have done you should have done um sports. Yay! Um, hold on, I feel like you made that question just for him. No, I did. I really did. <laughs> Yeah, what, but if y'all didn't know, Howard, Howard swim and dive. I know history. someone who swims for Howard. That's crazy. Okay, good Great job. Flex. We love that for you. Well, congratulations, job, you got three out of three. No, respectfully, if I, if I, if I beat the next contestant, dude, better give me an A in his class. My grade needs to come all the way up. All the way up. My grade needs to come all the way up. Okay. We'll let him know. We'll let him know. If I beat him, him, I need him to bounce that grade up. We'll 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 ask him him for some extra credit points on your behalf. Yeah. Yeah. Although, although, Tali and I both did get A's in his class. So, without without any black history extra credit points. Tali, what year is slavery in? That's it. <laughs> don't, don't even know. Don't even know. She don't even know. You know when slavery ended? Slavery ended in 1804 for all my Haitian Americ for all my Haitians. So I was right. I'm still right. And you know what? The 13th Amendment still exists. So technically, slavery exactly, Cade. So please stop trying to put me on the spot. But before you go, we do have one last question for you. Okay, it's not a <laughs> trivia question. It's just a, it's just a question. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead, Carla. Oh, I'm <laughs> Okay, so as you know, the theme for Black History Month this year is Black Resistance. Um, so we just wanted to ask, what examples of Black uh, Black Resistance have you appreciated in your life? Have they given you a new perspective on anything? Um, and are there any ways that you, Kate, as a Black man, embody Black Resistance every day in your life? Can I ask you a question? Tali's, Do you have a question for us? Yeah, Tali laughing because she knows what I'm about to ask. No. What's the question? Can you please, like, specify what black resistance is? Black resistance is like, so broad. That's why I'm asking you to specify. Like, whatever you think it is. We, yeah. we, we mean it in a broad sense. It's whatever yeah. it is to you. Black resistance? So like we can give you we can give you examples. Yeah, I mean, but, can you give me I mean, it's it's really up to you. It's just like for me, like 
like black resistance is going to an hbcu like that's for me like surrounding myself with black people who constantly like race is not a factor of why we're here yes and no but i'm not a i'm what's that thing citizen kane says like i'm not a black spot like against a white wall like it's just because i'm talented and i'm i need to be here and like stuff like that or our other contestant jasmine said that for black for february she's been running because that brings her joy like black joy as a resist as a form of resistance against really anything that puts us down so whatever brings you joy really that's the question what what brings what embodies me, what black joy me joy yeah um one thing that brings me joy actually i guess expressing myself through art you know specifically photography um yeah i do a lot of car photography that br- that that brings me a lot of joy um and just the specific type of car photography i try and focus on a lot of the underground car scene which is almost illegal like she's i had out. something in my throat she's ratting me out i had something in my throat i'm sorry so if they come for me it's her fault no but he has a point it, it's part of atlanta black culture um, exactly sure well he's he's capturing that yeah and i just i don't know it i guess going to SG, which is a PWI, I kind of feel like when I go back to Atlanta, that all I want to do is just be around a bunch of different types of people besides white people. I want to be around black people. I want to be around people who identify as Latino. I just, I want to experience other cultures when I go back home. And that Want, the want for that is driven more by the fact that I attended PWI. Yeah. Great that was an amazing answer. You should listen Come to on. the beginning of this podcast <clears throat> when it comes out because we talked about art. Yeah. But also to support your friends. Or not. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for being on our episode and podcast. I enjoyed. I will say I did enjoy myself, and I would very much so like to see him. Yep. All right. We can do that. (laughs) I don't know if I can do with how awkward it is again. You're making it mad awkward. Because it's just weird. No, it's not. But it's only weird. It's only weird for you. Well, it doesn't matter. Thank you for being on our show. (laughs) Anyways, yeah, we appreciate you and everything that you've done. Um, to support us with your art, um, and we appreciate your art because you're one hell of a photographer and producer. Um, and yeah, so thanks. Okay, so our third and final contestant for uh, Black History Trivia is um, a former teacher, mentor, college counselor, coach, friend, 
Kikir, all of the above. <laughs> um, we love this guy, and we're really happy to have him here on Popping the Bubble. He has taught us a lot. Um, and so, without further ado, can I get a drum roll, please? Everybody, please welcome Tony Franco. <laughs> it's Franco. <laughs> hey, everyone. What's up, um, Franco? What's podcast. going on? I'm so ha- I'm happy to be here. I'm, ner- I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm happy to have you. <clears throat> so it's the okay. reason why Franco's here is because he's speaking on behalf of the entire white race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we didn't tell you that part. Yo, that's, that was, that's good. That's good. There you go. That's good. Uh, now I'm even more nervous. I'm sweating. Hold on. Let me take off, let me take off the jacket here. Uh, <laughs> That was a good one. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. Well done. Well done. Ooh, Carla, right, that was right. good. That got mm-hmm. me. That got me too. I didn't expect <laughs> Touché, that one. I was, yeah. I was thinking about it, but I was like, mm, I don't know about it. Yeah. No, so yeah. it's it's actually interesting because Franco was Talia race relations teacher last year um, at St. George's. And so we're really putting him to the test today because he graded a crap ton of our papers and quizzes and whatnot. <laughs> so... The roles are reversing today. It's probably yeah. happening a lot sooner than you ever thought it would, Franco. But yeah, that's true. It is. Yeah, you yeah, guys put me on the spot. Today. I appreciate it, though. You're holding me accountable. Of course. Always. If you get these wrong, I'm taking your job. <laughs> you know what, T? Sometimes uh, actually, I, I, take I, I, yeah, I take it back. Yeah, exactly. I take it back. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't want it. Go ahead. Careful what you wish for. Uh huh. I don't want it, Franco. I take it back. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Ready. I think okay, I'm ready. So, yeah. is there a time? Okay, wait, hold on. Is there a timer for when I like how long I have to answer the question, or is it just like, like, is it enough time no, for okay. me to Google the answer, or is this honor code? <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Uh, honor code, please. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, okay. Don't, don't be one of those white. Yeah, come on. <laughs> exactly, Franco. Like, come on. There's a standard here <laughs> that you're being held to. Yo. Alright. No timer. But if you take too long, you might look a little suspicious, yeah. I suspicious. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But these are easy. We gave you some easy questions. Mm, sure. I okay, this that. one <laughs> This one's sports. So in nineteen eighty, Willie Davenport and Jeff Gadley were the first two blacks two black people to participate in the Winter Olympics. Name the sport. It's multiple choice. So here we go. I'm helping you out. Okay. So A is bobsledding, B mm. is skiing, C is figure skating, and then D is curling. Uh, bobsledding. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Did you did you actually know that one? No, I didn't. I was a total guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna thank Disney for that. Uh, I told you, Carla. Yeah. I said that. I was like, I was like, Bob Sledding. Everybody has to know it's a great movie. I love it. Yes. What is that? Uh, Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings. That's what it was. Yes. Cool Running. Yes. See, you're off to great start. They, they, I think they made a Cool Runnings too, and I don't think it was that good. Uh, But that's neither here nor there. I think so. Yeah. I might be wrong. You got to fact check me. Franco. Franco would might know. I feel like he would know. That's going to be a film reflection in race relations. Uh, a film impression? Yeah, writing. hopefully hopefully Cade will approve of that. So we'll see. You didn't give us any Disney. <laughs> yeah, Cade, by the way, was asking maybe for some extra credit for getting three out of three. 
Oh, he got um, three out of three. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I'm, I might. Uh, shoot. Yeah. Touche. So, yeah. yeah, right? I don't know. We're but just, he got to pick to... the categories, though. So, I don't know. It's a little different. But he didn't really. <laughs> okay, fair but enough. But, yeah, enough. We, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't really give him a choice. I yeah, actually we... just sent him a tweet that was wild. I should text it to y'all. Uh, it was about, like, actually uh, 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 UGA, some sort of historical thread about the, uh, UGA's founding and affiliation with uh, slavery and et cetera, et cetera, like super crazy deep thread on uh, the racist history related to UGA. Um, yeah, I can't say I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Zero surprise, but I was like, oh my hey, god, hey neighbor. Hey, neighbor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to y'all after this episode. <clears throat> okay, bet, bet. All right, Carla, you want to ask the second question? All right, yeah. Okay, so our second question is from the sort of like entertainment music uh, category. Who wrote Lift Every Voice and Sing, a.k.a. the Black National Anthem? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Multiple choice. It's multiple choice. (laughs) A, Langston Hughes. Is he writing stuff down? He looks stressed. That's what I I am. (laughs) Yeah, I'm writing it down. I'm writing down options. I'm a visual person. (laughs) Okay, okay. James Weldon Johnson. Mm. C... Paul Lawrence Dunbar, or D, or no, sorry, D, Maya Angelou, or E, Francis Ellen Watkins Harper. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with B, um, James Weld. Did you say Weldon? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> Hey. That's two out of three. Look at you killing oh, the game, Virgo. Yeah, I, oh, I was waiting for the applause. I was yeah. waiting for the applause. <laughs> it's real delayed, oh but there. We already passed. Did better than Virgo. Jasmine already. You're doing way better. Yo, when you Jasmine. said do better than Jasmine, I didn't want to know how many Jasmine got because I was really <laughs> nervous about what that meant for Jasmine, for St. George's school as an educational institution. Yeah, well, Ooh. that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. She's not in your class, yeah. so... That might that might have been why we got we have to blame uh, who's her college counselor. We have to blame her college counselor on that. That's her college counselor. We're not gonna name names. <laughs> no, no. Not this episode. No, I'm just I'm a, just kidding. I have a feeling that I'm very fond of her college counselor. So. Oh okay okay all right fair point fair point. Let's not and that's why we're not naming yeah, names. that's why we're not why we're not naming. <laughs> names, yeah. yeah yeah yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. last one. This one's a little bit tricky. Mm-hmm. But you got it. You got it. This is part of our random category, but here's a question. What famous American was presented with the Medal of Freedom by President Lyndon Johnson in December 1963? So A, we have Ralph Bunch, B, Martin Luther King, C, Toni Morrison, or D, Nelson Mandela? Hmm. Um, So when you say American, do you mean... um... U.S. Yeah, citizen? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So just race relations there. There you go. Uh, so, C, Toni Morrison? Uh, no. Damn. No. Yasmin, uh, no. where are the sound effects? Franco, in, in 1950? Oh, I, you said 63, I thought. 1963. 1963. Sorry, yeah, 1963. Yeah. yeah, my bad, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Like, but still, but still, Toni Morrison is definitely. Toni Morrison, I think she yeah. just got it, like, recently. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Well, it was a Ooh. Ralph Bunch. Ah, <laughs> oh, Ralph Bunch. 
He was the yeah. highest American official in the UN, and he received. He also received the Nobel Peace mm. Prize in 1915. The first African American mm. to do so, actually. So he was the yeah. first African American to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, really? yeah, for his uh, work in, in mediator in 1950 for his work in media oh, in for media for mediating me, medi, me, mediating mediating in, mediating in Palestine Palestine. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Oh. Wow. That's, that's a pity clap. That's, that's a that's applause for Tolly. <laughs> yeah, that is applause for Tolly. Um, damn. Well, that's true because I, like I had wow. crossed out I had crossed out King and I had crossed out Nelson Mandela, so I was down to two. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, two but you three. know, that's, you know what? You won okay. second place. And we love That's that, okay. you know, you know. Second place, you didn't take away... first loser, so it's fine, you know. It... I don't mind but that. this is the most important part. You didn't take away from a black person winning Black History Month right. tribute. So right. we're we're proud of you for that. We're really That's proud of you. Matters. For that. That's all that yeah, matters, Franco. I hope that's being kept in the. Uh, in the we were. Uh, we're not gonna lie. We're not gonna lie. We were a little worried after Jasmine. We was like, oh. <laughs> but we're glad. Second place is great. She got one. <laughs> You're just gonna one. have to watch to find yeah. out. Oh. No. Man. Yeah. But yeah. Thank you for. Oh, we have one more question. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. 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 Okay. Hold on. So, um, this question, obviously, this year, I hope you know this, <laughs> um, the theme is Black Resistance for Black History Month. Um, yes. And so, um, we just wanted to ask you, um, are there sort of any examples of Black Resistance that um, you've come across or that you've been able to appreciate in your life? And um, have they given you any sort of new perspective on anything or just what's the salience of them? Or even if there are any ways that you embody black resistance in your life as a white man. I I appreciate that. Um, I actually, so this might seem super corny, so uh, <clears throat> you check me, y'all check me on this, but um, I feel like in many ways the students of color who graduate from independent schools are um, people who embody and exhibit black resistance, right? These institutions weren't made. Um, for those students um, and so every day that they exist within the institution uh, is a example of black resistance but the most poignant and salient example is when they graduate from those institutions in many ways it's kind of like um, the uh, like appropriate uh, middle finger um, to the, <laughs> the founding principle of kind of those institutions because it, that's what it right it represents yeah. they were uh, like St. George's school is never meant to educate, like, you know, you three uh, here on this call. Um, and and I think uh, y'all graduating and now on to incredible other institutions, um, <clears throat> you exhibit that, but then also all the the students before you uh, who, did, who did the same thing, all the students of color before y'all, and then all the students currently who are here. Um, uh, are examples of black resistance that I would say are most poignant uh, in today's climate in particular. I don't know. Is that too corny or are you, you like, should we, should we do that <laughs> no. over and say something different? No, it's, it's real life. No, it's, it's not corny. Life. I mean, I, I told you personally, like I wouldn't have been where I am without you senior year. Like 
I, I was I literally in your that. office every day. So it's us graduating from all that and being where we are, and, you know, shining and being who we are outside of that. It's to yeah. y'all. So, yeah. Not yeah. corny. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, I guess kind of like a follow-up question that I would have yeah. for you now that we have you here is just <clears throat> you are a white man teaching a race relations course at mm. a predominantly white independent school. Mm. Um, and so I kind of like, and a, a big part of that is just you teaching black resistance and, and history. Um, and so, I, I don't know, just like talk me through like your position in that as who you are. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I love doing it. Um, and it's also um, a struggle because I feel like I'm not doing it justice. Uh, I think I texted this to Tali the, the, like a couple weeks ago. She texted fortuitously at the, at the right time where I was kind of really bummed uh, with um, just myself uh, and uh, kind of stuff going on here and whether or not I'm doing a good job and um, whether or not I can continue to, to work in independent schools. Every day is a um, uh, kind of uh, like an internal crisis uh, as a public school kid who's raised by a single mom who these institutions weren't open and available to me despite being a white male. Um, and so my, my ability to fight back, uh, I feel like is a little bit easier because I can, I, I'm passing as a white person. Um, and at the same time, I'm teaching a subject matter that I feel like is super relevant and should be spoken to and taught. Um, but also it's like weird being the white guy at the front of the room teaching this stuff and that in that COVID year too, in particular, um, <clears throat> we say the COVID year, but the, the year we all came back after being away on spring break and we didn't return. And so we're hybrid year. Um, I, I joked with Makai and Alpha and a couple other folks in that class because we were in Madeira and I'm like on the stage and it's the first year race relations is a year long course. And it's like, here, welcome to race relations with Tony Franco the white dude uh, who's going to give a, a TED talk on race. Um, and it's it like, it was just like so weird. Um, and so we had to finagle class to, to be a little different that way. But I felt like I was getting on the stage to present and it just didn't feel right with me. And now we're finally like in a normal classroom space and we can have dialogue. Um, but um, I go back, I actually just came back from a, um, uh, an equity and inclusion conference for college counselors. And um, one of the themes was basically, if not who, if not us, then who, and if not um, now, then when. And that kind of just, it kind of feels like what it is in teaching race relations. Like there are other people who can teach the class and there are some um, other people at, you know, St. George's who could probably teach it better. Um, and there were people who taught it previously and, uh, Mr. Serenzia and, and Mrs. Mongan. Um, <clears throat> but um, it just so happens to be like I'm the guy who's teaching it now. Um, but I hope that SG um, finds someone else in the future to, to teach the course um, uh, who is A, more qualified, and B, is also maybe a, a person, probably a person of color who could teach it better from a different lived experience. Um, and who could also do 
more black joy and more black resistance. I feel like our class is so focused on um, the intricacies of the legalities and like the history of the why. And I, I have always struggled to do more black joy, more black celebration, more black resistance and therefore celebration, right? Like, um, I feel like we should do more of that. And at the same time, like in order for all of the students in the room, particularly the white students in the room to understand um, like why race in the United States is so made up, we have to go back in time and go to the history. And we also have to insert whiteness uh, in a course that um, can't solely be about maybe African-American history, which is also why it's such a frustration that this AP US or AP African-American history course is being like gutted because it's yeah. such bullshit um, because that's the course that should be like taught in conjunction maybe with race relations. Um, yeah. And um, there, there should be like a, a, like a joint thing there. And, you know, Mr. Person and I talked about co-teaching the class uh, several years ago and how cool it would be for, a white man and a black man to teach a course like this and how we could play off one another and our experiences. Um, and, you know, we're just such a small school that it's really hard to team teach anyway, but that would have been dope. Right. Um, yeah. and then that guy went and left us. So, you know, I hope listening. <laughs> right. he's still, yeah, he's thanks, still, Mr. Person. Yeah, yeah. He knows I'm yeah. still sour grapes about that. That was um, a little traumatic for me. I'm not, yeah, even gonna be I, right? he did what he had to do. He did. What yeah, he had no, to do. that's true. It's true. I was but, like, where are you going? Yeah. yeah I miss I that like, guy so much. I was like, didn't even stick it out for our last year. Right, exactly. I, yeah. I was just in the dust as seniors. Come yeah, on, yeah. After um, after you became up. my emotional anchor, come on. I know, right? Literally. He's, I was like, yeah. Mr. President, what? For so many, for so many, too, right? He was, um, yeah. but, but yeah, so I think, I appreciate you asking that question, Carla, and I think um, it's, um, it's like an existential crisis I have pretty much every day. Um, because uh, it's imp it's imperative I teach the class, and I, I also feel in some ways that I'm taking up the space of a person of color. Like there should be an indigenous woman who teaches this class, and like not me, Tony, a white dude. Um, but like I'm I'm what they got right now, and I yeah. hope one day we can hire uh, a black woman, an indigenous woman, a black man, like someone who has been traditionally marginalized uh, to teach the class. Um, but it's it's weird because right now, <clears throat> when you think about that, it's also like a labor tax. Like we'd be hiring that that person and they'd be pigeonholed to teaching that type of class. Right. And so there's also this like weird duality. Like if person or Dr. Bullock, right, like were teaching the class, it would be like extra labor for them instead of maybe they didn't want to teach the class, right? Right. Um, yeah, that's why I said never mind. I was like, mm. I yeah. Don't want to teach it anymore. Yeah. yeah. And well, yeah, exactly. There you go. Uh, but that's a conversation Makai and I have had too before because when 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 he was in the class, it was a lot about um uh when we we talked a lot about tears, uh right? In uh um that book and how like some of the stuff that's in that book is like really hard to digest for a white person or a black person or right, a brown person. Mm -hmm. And so you're in there reading it and it's like maybe the only way for students to hear it is if there's a white teacher teaching it, right? Because maybe something yeah. like, as we know, uh, women of color are heard uh, not as loudly as white men are heard. Um, 
so Makai brought up that interesting point. I was like, oh, I've, I've actually never thought of that. Like, he's like, you might be the only person who can use this book in a class because you might be the only person that people are going to listen to when we're dissecting this book. And I, did, I never thought of it like that because I, had, I was coming from the lens of, I really shouldn't be the person teaching this class. Like, it's crazy that I'm like the white dude teaching this class. Like, what are we doing? Um, but Makai reassured that like, hey, this is what needs to be done now. And maybe in 10 years, when St. George's School is more ethnically and racially diverse, maybe you're not the one teaching the class, but right now, you have to be the one teaching the class. Um, right. So, I don't know. I th- it's really a duality I struggle to hold, and um, I, I appreciate you asking the question. <clears throat> yeah, thanks for the answer. I appreciate it. And I appreciate, obviously, I think race relations was one of the best classes I took by far while I was at SG. By far. And I think, from in my personal opinion, I think you did as well as you could and, like, even better as my teacher considering considering the limits to your perspective Mm, yeah i appreciate that and i agree i think even i just knew in that class i would always have a voice or a say it wouldn't Mm. like necessarily not necessarily be judged but critiqued in a way that made me want to learn more and where Mm -hmm. in my other classes there was always this like fear of like even in amstud sometimes i just felt like Girl, don't say oh, anything yeah. because they're going to say something and then you're going to be oh, yeah. mad and then everybody's <laughs> going to be upset. And it's just going to be a whole debate, you know. But in race relations, I like, like, I just remember that day where me and Carla came in and we were talking about, like, the Supreme Court and all that. Mm. And you, you, you literally just gave us the class to, like, explain mm. it. And that's by far one of my favorite classes just because, like, the whole thing, like, sometimes we're just not given a voice. And to have mm. a class, we're able to have a voice and to learn about us but learn in an environment where we're able to interact with other people who don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think the powerful thing about that, too, is just that, especially at a PWI, it's not very common that there are spaces for students of color, women of color like Tali and I, to have to have spaces where we are the loudest voices in the room because we mm. want to be, mm-hmm. because we're allowed to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think there was a lot of power in that. Tali and I, we sat, like, together every single class right yeah. next to each other. On the one yeah. side of the room, so yeah. like I feel like our section of the class was like the lit jumping section of class. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was um, like it was definitely the more vocal and involved uh, section of class. That's for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> the way we have class structured now is like a U, and so ah. conversations are a little different. And I actually kind of was thinking about uh, when we leave for spring break if I rearrange the classroom because I really did like the fact that we were in pods last year. I felt like that fostered some conversations that maybe people would have like they'd be hiding in the room if we were in like that big U. Um, yeah. So I don't know. But the, I liked how we had class structured last year. Um, but yeah, I always like, yeah, I, I appreciate you asking the question. I appreciate you both uh, saying those words. Those are awfully kind. Uh, so thank you. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you thank for being you for here being with us. Yeah, you no answered problem. the call. <laughs> yeah, yes. I did. I just, we called on you, and you answered the call. I, I passed, I guess. You know, it's like <laughs> you did pass. Get degrees you did here. pass. Yeah, that's where we're at. You did pass. Sixty-six. Okay. Yeah, sixty-six. Yeah, that's how. That's how your exams. That's how your quizzes be feeling for some <laughs> Now you know. Getting now a you taste know. of your own medicine. Maybe not uh-huh. a change your methods. <laughs> not that. Not that I personally would know. 
But I'm I used just saying to for other students. That's fair. That's fair. I used to give y'all half points, though. I give you half points. Like, that's fine. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah, you know, like, hey, there's a point five for trying. There you go. <laughs> we'll, give you, we'll give you a 2.8. 2.8. 2. How about that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, yeah. it makes me feel yeah. a little bit better now. Generous. Yeah. Now I can go to sleep at night. That is generous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, uh, well, all right. Well, I, that's I all we. That's all. all. Yeah, that's what we got. Um, <laughs> that's all we got for Black History trivia. Okay. Thank you, Franco. <laughs> no problem. Uh, no problem. It was good to see you both, and Yasmin, good to see you too. Um. So yeah, we had. I think this was my favorite episode. I say that, that about every fun. episode. That was fun. But this was my favorite episode. I loved it. I love ending Black History Month on a good note. I had a good time. You had a good time? I had a really good time. <laughs> I had a that great was fun. time. I love it. I miss I these it. people. I know. We need to do more episodes of guests. Because yeah. I kind of, I hate talking. Low key. High key. <laughs> so we're going to do some more episodes of guests. Yeah. But I did want to end with a little quote. I don't really know what it's called. So this is from my book, You Are Your Best Thing, Recommend. Um, it's by, it's actually by a lot of authors, but I wanted to read this part because we're talking about Black Joy. And I just wanted to read this part. And yeah, so it goes, the joy of Blackness persists. Our joy is in having loved and being loved well. Our joy is in the ties that bind us to one another. Our joy is in the legacy of all that our ancestors have done for us. Our joy is in being able to participate in that legacy now. Our joy is a taste of freedom, regardless of whether we only got a morsel or the whole pie. Our joy is in a shared language, a shared dance, a shared game, a shared song. Our joy is in having left a mark in the world, being able to say, I was here. I love that. I know. It's one of my favorite words. But yeah, we just... A good note to end on. A good note, yeah. So, um, yeah, popping the bubble. This was Black History Month series. You know you know, if we never post any episodes, we always going <laughs> to post on Black History Month. I will, yeah. We will never, ever miss this month. Um, we really hope to, that you guys learned something. I mean, from Black Twitter, Black Resilience, listening to other people speak. Um, and, you know, while this month might be coming to an end, Black history is every day. Every single day, black history is among us. And, you know, uh, yeah. Any last words? No, yeah. Just continue to just engage, if not with popping the bubble and the episodes that we've put out, then please engage in other ways in your everyday life, whether that's reading, listening to podcasts, watching TV, um, talking to other people, which is a really important one, expanding your palate, expanding your perspective. Um, I feel like that's really important, and... We've, we can't say this enough, but we we personally feel how important it is to celebrate black history, um, not only in February, but at all times in the year. Um, but yeah, we really hope that <laughs> y'all enjoyed this as much as we did. If not, your loss. We had a fun time, right. and that's all I that had matters. a good time. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I have. Uh, pop in the bubble. We'll see you next month. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Not next week. We'll see you soon. No, I said next month. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Not next week. I thought week. you said next week. Hiatus. <laughs> hiatus is break time. Um, but yeah. I'm, yeah. 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 All right. I'm Tolly. 
on Black History Month. And that's on Black History Month. Fumble a bag. Now I will not fumble a bag. Fumble a bag.